Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's begin with some background. Among the Jews of the first century, there were two significant groups. There were Pharisees and there were Sadducees. They disagreed with each other about many things. Uh, Pharisees could be compared perhaps to modern-day legalists. They believed that righteousness came through strict adherence to the law. They confessed the scriptures, which would be the entirety of the Old Testament. And they confessed it to be the word of God. It was canonical. All of the books of the Old Testament. Most of Jesus' dealings were with his adversaries, were with the Pharisees. So most of the time where you see Jesus debating or, or trying to be entrapped or what have you, it was the Pharisees that he was dealing with. Um, and scribes were often lumped into that same group, the scribes and Pharisees. Um, but then we have, in this case, this story, something unique, which is an interaction with the Sadducees, which was a different group of people. They were all Jews, but the Sadducees were different. They denied the authority of the Old Testament, except for the Pentateuch, which would be the first five books, Penta, five, of the Old Testament. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That was the scripture for the Sadducees. That leaves out the prophets. That leaves out all of the other writings. Um, you might compare them to uh, modern-day theological liberals. So they denied the resurrection. They denied a resurrection. Of course, at this time, Jesus hadn't died and been raised. But the uh, Jews understood that there was to be a resurrection, that, that there would be a resurrection of all people. Um, you see that in... Um, in Lazarus' sister confessing that she knows that Lazarus will be raised, you know, in, in the end. Uh, of course, she didn't know Jesus would raise him right then and there. But uh, that resurrection was believed. But the Sadducees did not, didn't believe that there would be a resurrection. They also didn't believe in angels. They sort of, um, uh, you know, just disbelieved the, 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 that teaching. And... Um, that's why I say you might compare them to modern-day theological liberals. Um, you know, think about the people who, who depict the Bible as just a good book, you know. Oh, uh, or people that say, oh, well, uh, you know, Gandhi said that, uh, that, that he could go along with Christ, just not the Christians, you know. Um, as though Jesus were a moral teacher. But he wasn't. You know, C.S. Lewis said... Lord, liar, or lunatic, take your pick. That, that's what you got. But Jesus was not just a good moral teacher. Anyhow, I'm going to get myself off track. The point is, the theological liberal looks at the scripture and treats it as something that is not inerrant, God's holy word, truthful and right in everything that it says and teaches. And they sort of push it off to the side and, uh, and hearken back to Satan's whispering in Eve's ear. Think about it. What did she say? 
Uh, what did he say to her? Did God actually say, you, mu- you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? It's just this, huddle, this uh, subtle uh, hint that there's something that's not to be trusted in God's word. Satan's trick is deployed among modern theological liberals. Uh, but I want to read, just to give you a little more context on Sadducees, I have a quote that I'll read from the Concordia Commentary on Luke, which is this one for, for Luke was written by Dr. Arthur Just. The chief priests come from this party, the Sadducees, uh, which claimed as their ancestor the high priest under David, and that high priest's name was Zadok. Sadducee means Zedekite. The party also included lay people, so it's not just priests. There were lay people that were a part of this party. Sadducees came from wealthy and privileged families in Jerusalem. Religiously, they were completely devoted to the temple cult. But sociologically, they were cut off from the rest of the people. Many of them were attracted to Hellenism. They were considered theological liberals because they denied the resurrection and the existence of angels. So that's the Sadducees, and that's who are posing this question to Jesus here. These arrogant elitists would uh, make a fool of Jesus with this question because Jesus and the Pharisees teach that there is a resurrection. And so they're going to entrap him and reveal just how preposterous this whole idea of a resurrection is. They weren't asking the question like seriously because they wanted to know an answer. Hey, Jesus, how do you resolve this tension, this conflict? They, they thought, oh, yeah, here's a way to make him look like a fool. Uh, so they refer here to the practice of leveret marriage. And this goes back to uh, Leviticus and God, uh, God's prescription for the Jews. If a brother, uh, if, a, if a man died and did not leave an heir, but he had a brother. It was his brother's responsibility to take his wife and give an heir. Now, the first person born under such an arrangement, the first person born of that woman would be the heir of her first husband. This is declared that way. This is how it was treated. And the idea was that the, there would always be an heir. There was a, a, uh, an emphasis placed upon this, that, that, that each Jewish man would have an heir to, uh, to him. There's a faithfulness in this because remember that they trusted God's word that the Messiah would come from one of Eve's daughters. So uh, this was an important part. And they present what they say is like a, they pretend like it's a, a real story. Not, not hypothetical, but the way they put it out there, it's like, oh no, this is a real situation, Jesus. What are we supposed to, like, what are we supposed to make of this? Here's a guy who died and his, his brother followed the command of Moses and he uh, you know, took her, but then he died and then the third and all the way through seven brothers. And now all seven brothers have died and there's no heir and the woman dies finally. Now, these are my words, not theirs. But if I were to put it uh, in, in the way that it should come across by the Sadducees, if there really is a resurrection, Jesus, then whose wife is she going to be? 
Now this is all just very convoluted. What they're trying to say is there won't be a resurrection. And here's the proof, Jesus, because look at this. Look at this absurd situation where now she's going to be, they're all going to be raised and she's going to have seven husbands. Well, that can't be. But notice how Jesus answered them. First, he pointed out that they fundamentally misunderstand the resurrection. In the resurrection, man will be like angels, not getting married. We will be, as Jesus says, sons of God being sons of the resurrection. In other words, the Sadducees have no concept of the wonderful new creation that God has in store for us. Words cannot express it, the fullness of it. We simply have to wait until it's revealed. But, but, it, but they act as though they, oh, they've got it all figured out. They're rationalistic, super hyper-rationalistic about this. And Jesus is saying the resurrection is so much more than husbands and wives being given in marriage. That's not what the resurrection is. But then Jesus goes back to Exodus, which, remember, that's part of the Pentateuch. So the Sadducees regarded that as canon of Scripture. That's the part of the Bible that they'll accept. And Jesus takes them to that. And he shows them how they have misread and misunderstood it. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Of course, some of the scribes and the Pharisees like that answer, which they would like because Jesus is proving their point. Because remember, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are fighting about the theological points. They disagree about things. And this is one of them. The Pharisees agreed that there would be a resurrection and the Sadducees did not. But the, uh, it was a scribe who answered. He was of the Pharisees who answered, teacher, you have spoken well. And the text concludes... They no longer dared to ask him any questions. Jesus will go on to teach them and to challenge them. He will. I mean, he goes on in the next, uh, the rest of, of the passage. We didn't read it this morning, but he does go on to teach them. Um, but they're not going to ask any more questions because they have met defeat and they recognize that. So what do we make of this? Do we celebrate that Jesus went toe to toe with the religious authorities and laid the smack down? Do we relish the idea that these people who are hostile, hostile to Jesus were proven wrong? No, I say no. I mean, we're guilty of denying the word of God. We are guilty of that too. We confess that we do the things we ought not do, that we don't do the things we ought to do. We're not in any position to... Um, uh, to criticize them any more than we would criticize ourselves. So we can't lord it over the Sadducees that there's some special nature that we possess that makes us better people. In fact, we're sinners just like they are. Of course, the difference is that we see our need for a savior. And that is a fundamental difference. We rejoice in the interaction that Jesus had with the Sadducees. God's word was shown to be true and right. 
the proper understanding of God's word was given, that God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Jesus affirmed in this that there is an eternal life that awaits us. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so we take joy in knowing that God will raise us from the dead. And we mourn the recent death of Don Ferg. Many of you knew him and loved him. He confessed the faith. He confessed that he trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. What a blessing it is for us to know that he is not dead. Don is not dead, but he is living. And to know that we will see him again. Not just Don, but all of the loved ones that we have parted with in this life. Brothers and sisters, unless Jesus returns first, you also will die. Perhaps you fear death, but know this for certain. Jesus Christ has died for your sins. He lives to make intercession for you. God the Father, God our Heavenly Father, is not God of the dead. He's God of the living. God the Holy Spirit is working the faith which takes hold of these promises. These promises are there. They are there. You can't take the promise away. But you can grab onto that promise and God gives you the faith that holds on, that clings to that promise, that knows with certainty, yes, I will see them again. We will see each other again. This is not all there is. The Sadducees had it wrong and Jesus told them right. In your baptism, you have been washed clean of your sins. In this sacrament that you come forward to receive this morning, you receive the very body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Those are not our words. Those are Christ's words. Those are Jesus' words of forgiveness to you. As believers, our death is not a door to nowhere It's not a door, and I'm not using a double negative there. I'm saying nowhere is a place of nothingness. That's not a door to nowhere. It is a door to eternity with Christ. Remember that and find peace in that. And the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.